0: Welcome to another edition of Drag Hags, where three ladies of a certain age discuss RuPaul's Drag Race, Season 10. I'm Jan.
1: I'm Ren. And I'm MC.
0: And we're going to talk this week about share the unauthorized rusical. Yeah, so we start out this week and we're in the workroom post-elimination and Monique Hart has gone. And um, as usual, Vixen's kind of a pouty brat and she's kind of unhappy about things because that's her default setting, I think. But she's taken real great
2: pride in, in having no friends and not having anyone like her and she's still there. You have to put up with me anyway. And she's just like, grow up, girl.
1: Oh, She's also so self-centered because it's like you guys are trying to ruin my dream and it's like everybody in that room has the exact same dream as you. So what makes you so fucking special?
0: Yeah, and I, I think A lot of this, and it's going to go through the rest of the episode, I keep trying to remember that Vixen is like 26, and in some ways she's very young, even more so than Aquaria. So a lot of this, I think, is just like being the angry young person and being that self-centered, because I want this, because I've been through so much. I'm not saying it's an excuse, but I think that's part of her makeup. That's part of her personality. And it's very frustrating, because you want her to get a clue, and she doesn't seem to want to get a clue. But yes, Um, so then of course things starts heating up between Vixen and Eureka again, because this was right after the whole, who would you send home if you could send home and the Vixen's meltdown. And it's just ridiculous because Eureka didn't even mention Vixen's name on, on stage. She was the one person that didn't say to send her home, but I, I guess she's an easy and you know, no shade here, but she's a large target. So it's easy to pick her out so we get more of that and we're down to the lucky seven which is just you know it's been we were so we're 50 percent gone uh 50 percent of the people have gone we're we're halfway through the 14 queens that started out and it just seems like in some ways this is going on forever
1: (laughs) yeah i i think part of that is because we had all stars like right before this so there there was no break and it's just like oh my god the show's going on forever and i mean like that's not a bad thing but also it's just a lot to to take especially when you're doing something like a podcast and you have to watch the episodes more than once and they're very long episodes this season yeah we've
0: got 90 minute episodes and then the 30 minutes of untucked right after that so yeah you got a two-hour block every week and it's it's exhausting sometimes not that we're complaining and actually i think i'm finding at least season 10 to be more enjoyable and overall and more entertaining than all stars was at all so
1: <laughs> well they actually get get to see like workroom stuff and like redoing walkthroughs and everything so and that's the stuff i really i love seeing creation of things so
0: yeah it's- it helps a lot and and i think you know also we're still learning about the girls there's still some novelty to so that they're new people instead of like seeing the same old and knowing that some people you know, are just never going to get to the level they, they should be in all stars or what have you. But um, so we had some fun in the workroom other than the Vixen Eureka stuff. And we had a little bit of an arm resting challenge between Cameron and Asia, which I thought was that was adorable. Adorable. And, you know, Cameron, and I've mentioned this before, I, I follow Cameron on social media. And Cameron's actually a very nice, very smart, very funny, self deprecating person. And I'm glad that some of it is finally starting to come through on camera because for the I think the early part of the season she was just a cipher. She really wasn't there at all. She got like no screen time. So I think now that we've winnowed down to at least half the Queens, we're getting a little bit some people are coming out a little bit more of their shell and they're getting the shine. Um then it was time for the mini challenge and we got Chad Michaels, which was nice to see. Yay. Yay.
1: Yay. My, my I love one... seeing Chad.
0: Yeah, my one complaint is that I'm sorry that Chad didn't actually get to be in the episode the way Bianca was for Snatch Game. I would have loved Chad to come in and kind of school people on share, but
1: and, and again like i mean we said this when um alissa was on the show when she was doing the choreography i would have loved to have chad on as a guest like as a guest judge because if there's anybody who can judge a share impersonation it's chad fucking michaels yep so
0: it, it was but at least we got a little bit of chad and there was some you know kind of recognition that chad is an, the most awesome share other than the real share <laughs> Sometimes maybe more than the real share. So there was time, we as I said, it was time for the mini challenge, and it was the fake bitch slap challenge called Slap Out of It, uh, which I thought was ridiculously fun.
1: Oh, this was great. This, so this almost felt like uh, the reading challenge, but just focused on rue it was very cute
0: yeah and and once again rue's suit was absolutely gorgeous it was sort of that blue and brownish or copperish brocade and rue looked fabulous and i, I always love watching rue on the show and actually watching rue enjoying himself and rue laughing i think to me like rue's laugh like actual belly laugh is just one of the nicest sounds in the entire universe because you know when he's happy yeah. he's happy so
1: I also thought all of the reads towards Rue were actually pretty good. There was not really a lot of, uh, there weren't many real clunkers.
0: Yeah, and and I, everybody. Well, it was nice to see everybody kind of interacting and laughing and enjoying themselves overall. Um, and then we had l- one slight bit of problem when Rue accidentally actually slapped Asia. <laughs> <laughs>
1: which i mean it, it was pretty funny but did asia win because she got slapped i, I think, think so in. i was like
0: yeah how to avoid a lawsuit in one easy lesson <laughs> let the let the queen win? <laughs> yeah, your yeah. two
2: thousand dollar gift certificate to wherever you know, and you won. Yeah, yeah, Congratulations! Yeah. Do
0: not sue. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, Asia called it as soon as she got hit too. That all oh, this will be mine. It's going to be Asia's yeah. Drag Race from now on. So yeah,
1: but it, her reaction was really good because that whole like grabbing her back and it's just like it's going to be Asia O'Hara's Drag Race up in here and <laughs> just like limping along. Yeah, so her reaction she, was really good. Yeah, yeah. she
0: melted for all it was worth and congratulations. But it was it was yeah. a good reaction too. So, but I think everybody did good. I don't there was not one person there who was like, "Oh my god, like why are you even bothering?" Cause they Yeah,
1: and we even got our obligatory banji reference right. for the episode. <laughs> I can't think of a single episode where they have not brought up banji at some point. Yeah. especially to make Rue laugh because that's like the easiest thing to make yeah. Rue laugh. That, that's apparently. like
0: that. That is Vangie is now Rue's trigger word. You say that at her and she will just like break down into like a puddle of giggles. It's it's adorable and I have a feeling it's also I don't know it, it, no real substance yet, but I just have a feeling Vange is going to be back like in season 11 because you can't get rid of her. And there's been so much play on this that I'd be shocked if she doesn't wind up getting another chance. Which, you know, because mm-hmm. Rue just obviously is obsessed with Vanjie. So then we've got to the main challenge, which was share the unauthorized rusical. Um, and the queens were going to be forced to do, or shouldn't say, forced, but they were going to have to do live singing rather than lip syncing to share, which was oh, pretty intimidating.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the look on Cracker's face when she heard that they were going to be singing. It was She was just not having it at all.
0: Yeah, I think everybody was a little spooked except Monet because Monet has background as a uh, opera singer.
1: So, and was- I mean even even that Monet did not seem like too thrilled about it just because her range is so different from what Cher's range is. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So then everybody got assigned up. A- a role and Cameron was doing 1960s share. Uh, the Vixen and Monet got 70s variety show share. Aquaria got disco share. Asia got movie star share. Eureka was rock star share. And Cracker got comeback share. So everybody had to sort of start their engines and get ready to do their share. So we moved to the workroom and we had an awful lot of bad share <laughs> invitations.
2: Oh, goodness. Yeah, it was quite uh, painful in some places.
0: Yeah, I thought that Cracker's, uh, you know, assessment of the situation, that it was pure madness, American Horror Story, the share edition, was kind of right on. But it was fun, because, again, it seemed like everybody was actually enjoying themselves, and there was a little bit more, I think, lightheartedness
1: than we've seen in a while. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, I think, well, I mean, Vixen is still an asshole, but she's kind of with everything that went down last week she kind of separated herself from the other girls so there wasn't as much confrontational stuff so it was much more focused on everybody trying to get themselves together for this
0: Yeah, I I think the Vixen... And it was funny because Aquaria brought her stuff over and suddenly was like, I think I'm going to try to be more social with you guys. So she kind of moved in and and Vixen kind of moved herself out. And then Rue came in and we started to get kind of a walkthrough and a discussion um, with each one of the queens as to what they were doing and how they were doing it. And I think Asia was a little spooked because she said she doesn't sing and she had no real acting experience other than um, Snatch Game the week before. So it was going to be. Which is not
1: a a good. Yeah.
0: Rue said something like, you know, we we won't talk about that again. (laughs) Because, yeah, that was bad. But Asia seemed a little rattled by the challenge in general. Cameron was asking a lot when Rue went to. Cameron. Cameron seemed to be asking a lot of questions about 60s Cher, uh, which was interesting because I think again, Cameron's very quiet and Cameron's very introspective when you least expect it. But Cameron at least was admitting, you know, trying to learn more about the role she was playing. And I thought it was kind of sweet because Rue was very starstruck. I didn't know that. I mean, most drag queens seem to love Cher because she's I don't want to say an easy target, but she's just she's an icon. Uh, But Rue was like genuinely starstruck by by meeting Cher, and that was to me very sweet. We got a little bit more. Then they talked about how quiet Cameron is and why Cameron is quiet. But, uh, like I said, she's starting to come to the forefront a little more. And then they moved to no- Monet. And Monet was talking about his uh, opera background. And the fact that, as uh, MC just mentioned, uh, he sings the bass of Basso Profundo. He's not in Cher's range. so He's not an alto, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but Rube gave, I think Rube gave Monet um, some really good advice in saying not to compartmentalize your talents or compartmentalize yourself by saying I can only do this or I can only do that because basically you have to try to do everything. That's what the whole competition is about is all your talents and even talents you didn't even know you had or perhaps talents you don't have, but you force yourself to do stuff anyway. So good bit of advice. I liked uh, Monet's
2: favorite shirt being Carol Burnett. I thought that was kind of, funny. <laughs> yeah. But they shared, you know,
0: clothes designer back in the seventies. So yes, the, the the great Bob Mackie, who have actually I've actually met at at Barbie conventions, and he's a lovely guy, um, and also an amazing designer. So yeah, um, and also I think that fits Monet's aesthetic because Monet, as much as she's about, she's not quite glamour, but there's also that whole comedic side to her. So that makes sense, actually. That Then Rue moved on to Eureka, and they started talking about the situation with the Vixen again. Uh, and Eureka is smart. Eureka said she wasn't focusing on the drama, and she was doing her own thing.
1: And the editor was being shady as fuck.
0: Oh my god, all the cuts <laughs> to, you know, to, uh, you know,
2: Vixen, city you know, with a little tiny violin, and her eye rolls, and everything. It's like, could you, you know, just like, have, you should put, like, you know, Vixen's real-time reaction in the corner, you know, that would be just as good. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that actually would, and, and again, like, maturity issues, like, you know, if, if everybody hates you and you, you don't get along with someone, you, at least the best thing to do is just ignore them. You close them out, you don't keep giving them more attention in your own kind of bitchy little way. It just And, and
1: also, I mean, like, I know, like, the edit, they can't do anything that you haven't actually done, but I really have some Fear doubts that vixen was actually pulling that shit when rue was in the room that just seems unlikely because we know rue is like super intimidating like even when she's doing the walkthrough you know and you know his boy rue who is a lot more approachable than you know judge rue but yeah i don't think that vixen would actually be pulling that crap so i think there was some some shady editing go on
0: yeah i think the vixen unfortunately because of her attitude and and her general behavior got the villain edit to to a big extent as you said because it just you know when somebody starts to be a certain way i you know people like fifi can argue that oh well it wasn't me it was all the edit no there's ways of building it up and and kind of like but you have to if you start down that path they're gonna pick up on it so yeah. yeah Bruce started, had, had the discussion with Eureka. And I, uh, they hadn't mentioned, Rue asked Eureka to do her share impression and it was not very good and Rue clocked her as sounding like Ethel Merman and there was discussion about an Ethel Merman challenge and all I can say is yes, please. I would love to that. see an Ethel I would <laughs> <challenge."> love that. <laughs> as somebody who once played Ethel Merman, a very bad lip syncing <laughs> Ethel Merman in a video <laughs> project at school, yes, please, we need more Ethel. <laughs> and also I think it would be good because so many, I think so many queens are like in the here and now, and it's more, if you look at somebody like Aquaria, who's very young and doesn't really know their history, to make them go back and do like big icons from the, the 40s and the 50s, just like big showbiz icons would be wonderful because they're kind of pushing them. Aquaria, barely new share. Which yeah. is heartbreaking to me. I mean, granted, I'm of the age where i grew up with you know 60s share and then tv show share um as well as everything else so i mean i remember sunny and share and stuff like from like 66 67 on the, the charts so
1: well i mean if queens out there if you're listening and you're going to be going on rupal's drag race do ethel merman for snatch game that might be a <laughs> lot of fun Yeah,
0: i'm actually amazed nobody has done it but i guess it's just kind of outside most people's purview so but yeah ethel would be great because ethel's just a big loud brassy fun personality that you know and you could do almost anything so and just break into song so <laughs> there you go speaking of people with no real pop culture background um we found out a little bit more about cracker because we moved to cracker next and i was like wow what kind of crazy life did she actually have because mm. you know the fact that there was like no pop culture background at all, and then she talked about things later on too, about like an hour of TV, no toys. I just, I horrible. I would love to actually know more about her story and about her family because it's just so different than you know. Most most drag queens tend to be people who were very into pop culture from a very young age and focusing on it. And the fact that Cracker got into drag from where she was is just kind of fascinating to me. So
1: and she 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 was also very smart when she was talking with rue because you get sometimes you get those queens who you know hear what rue says and it's like oh well i'm gonna do this anyway it's gonna be fine but as soon as rue was questioning something cracker was gonna do it's like it's gone Right, got to do it. Yep.
0: Yeah, she was talking about doing the cane and stuff, and the, the Rue's comment was, "Yeah, Cher's not old; she's ageless, and that's true." Nine times out of ten, when Rue gives somebody advice, it's important to listen to it. Every once in a while, Rue was off, um, like snatch game last week. But Rue usually knows what she's talking about. And then we got to the Vixen, and uh, Vixen mentioned that she's lip sync to Cher, but she's never actually performed as Cher.
2: But they you know, that's just as good lip syncing to Cher's songs. Just as good as pretend you know to be shared so yeah no problems in this end
0: and the Rue called her out on the whole situation that was going on and was very skeptical about Vixen's explanation about why she was going after uh Eureka and what have you
1: and I really think I think Rue is fed up with Vixen quite frankly after attacking Eureka on the main stage last week because that was that was untoward that was because I mean you can have your reasons for you know, saying that a certain queen should go home. But her stuff was so personal and so just savage that I don't think rue is like it's like there's no way that thixon was ever going to become the next rag superstar no. with that kind of shit happening on the main stage and i think the only reason she stayed is because the monique completely yeah. screwed the pooch last week yeah
0: yeah and also i think you know it just in general not only was she savage it was completely off base it was nothing to do with reality to call eureka who's one challenges and one mini challenges and you know rue sees that to say she's unprofessional and she's got no talent or whatever it was said was just ridiculous. I mean it came from a place of really, really just bitchiness and, you know, jealousy, honestly, rather than something that was like, oh well she doesn't get along with me. Or you know, there was no there wasn't even anything, any meat to it of that Rue could say, okay, well let me look at both sides of the situation. Because Rue's talked to Eureka and she's seen what she's done on stage. So yeah.
1: well I mean there is also the fact that Rue is not an unbiased person. It is very obvious with a lot of the the seasons and i think rue has even owned up to this on her podcast that there are certain people that she ends up connecting with through doing the walkthroughs or seeing them on stage so very early on she does kind of you know keep an eye on somebody and you, you don't want to say they're favorites but then they are favorites and i think eureka is definitely one of those so hearing all of this savage personal attack at her I think really soured Rue to the Vexen. Right.
0: And I think also, you know, we don't see it, but, you know, Michelle is Rue's best friend. Michelle is, you know, Rue's right hand person. And she also, as, as, you know, MC has pointed out before, she's much more, Michelle is much more of a mother hen to the Queens than even Rue is. So I'm sure that Rue also discusses this with Michelle and we don't see this on stage. But I can't imagine Rue just goes home once the camera's off and like completely forgets about this stuff. So I'm sure they, they get, the stuff that we don't see on camera, there's I'm sure there's some discussion about people and personalities and general feelings. So, yeah, it's built up. And the Vixen was also pulling like, the whole poor, 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 pitiful me thing here. And it was just, it was ridiculous. And, again, I'm trying to be kind and write off some of it to just age
1: and immaturity, as well as just being an angry young person. Well, she keeps on saying how much she doesn't care what anybody thinks about her. And it's like, you do nothing but care what people think of you. Like, I mean, I know that's, like, a such, like, a young person thing where it's like, oh, I don't care what you think of me, but please tell me what you think of me. Right. Like, but- why
0: do, why do you all hate me? I don't care what you think of me or why you hate me, but why do you hate me? And, yeah, I mean, because because the opposite of hate is uh, love is not hate. It's apathy. And if you yeah. really didn't care, you would just do your thing and ignore everybody and not get caught up in this drama and this whole, like, Michigas of things going on. And I thought Monet, um, it may have been... Editing but Monet's expressions and Comments about what was going on were kind of golden to Me including like eye rolling And just kind of like what the hell is she talking about And just she's So nasty why is she that way so I think the other girls in the workroom You know have picked it up too and I've read a lot of articles and a lot of you know Discussions about what was going on and some of It came down very you know Intense and well-meaning racial discussions, but even you know other you know queens of color are getting bad vibes off of Vixen. So it's not just oh the mean you know white girl from, you know white queen from Tennessee is being mean or anything. It's it's her whole attitude towards everybody. So
2: yeah, yeah. well as Root pointed, you know Root asked the Vixen, "What's the root cause of wanting to fight all the time?" And so it's just you know that's all Vixen wants to do. She wants to pick a fight. And, you know, and she'll put it down, oh, it's because you're being racist towards me or, or whatever. And it's not, it's just because Vixen just wants to fight all the time and, and she needs to address that problem.
1: By the way, I'm very, very white, so... But there is, like, the, this thing of... I feel like I'm push, pushed down and, you know, everybody's against me. I'm, you know, disadvantaged from other people, so I'm going to lash out at absolutely everybody. If you lash out at absolutely everybody what you're saying becomes white noise and nobody's going to actually hear what you're saying. You have to pick your battles. And I think, you know, attacking Eureka constantly for absolutely no reason other than i just don't like you that's becoming white noise and that's actually that's becoming the story rather than any sort of political statement that the vixen might have which are probably fantastic like what she was talking about i thought in in terms of her performances all sounds really cool but what everybody is going to remember was the fact that she was really fucking mean to eureka
0: Right. And, you know, she had talked about the story last week, which was very poignant. The fact that, you know, she was treated badly by this bartender and it was and, you know, racial statements were made. And you know, she grew up on the South Side and I went to college in in, uh, near Chicago and I knew girls from the South Side. And, you know, it's a tough situation. But sometimes if somebody is being an ally or at least not being an enemy to turn them immediately into an enemy doesn't help anybody. You need to, like, you know, pick your battles and also try to judge people. And even if. Because painting everybody with a broad brush because they're not like you and thinking they're all out to get you is as unhelpful as just assuming everybody's going to be nice to you and then getting disappointed, I think. So,
2: it it, also comes with age, though.
0: Yeah. Like I said, a lot of it's immaturity and just frustration. And as we'll talk about later, when Asia talks to her, we see a little bit more of that because there's, you know, the vixen has potential. She's got skills. She wouldn't have been on the show if she didn't, but it all gets lost because of the personality issues that go on and then speaking of personality issues the last person to be talked to was aquaria and her she's so egocentric it makes me want to scream because she's so perfect
1: she's so right as rain um uh, but then she, she says oh, know, she's,
2: a, she's a legend in her own mind
0: yes
1: <laughs> <A legend laughs> i'm perfect her last... i'm a singer i sound like linda Evangelista.
0: Yeah, uh, and Monet, Monet actually calls her delusional, and unfortunately she's right. I mean, but again, I think that's. A maturity thing because she's so young and she's so sure that she's so good at everything and nobody's going to tell her otherwise and she never listens to critiques. She kind of like it's everybody else's critique towards her is white noise because it's just I couldn't possibly be wrong because I'm so good at everything and if you don't like it you're clearly mistaken and it's frustrating because Aquaria also has talents but there's a lot she could sit she needs to sit down and learn and listen sometimes.
1: Yeah, she she has 21-year-old disorder where she thinks that if she if she jumped off a building that she would be able to fly and everybody else is going, "No, you can't jump off a building. You are just a stupid 21-year-old." "Oh, shut up. I can fly. I'll prove it to you." Splat. <laughs> <laughs> so, um
0: then after our, our sort of uh workroom walk through, uh we got to the rehearsals and we got to see Tadrick Hall.
1: Yay. <sighs>
0: Yeah, I, I'm i kind of over Todrick. I, I know I he's like a really big name and Rue loves him and he's talented, but I would rather have seen somebody like Alyssa. I just I'd like to see like a new choreographer at this point because I don't know. I just Todrick just always seems mean to me. Um, I mean, no, it's kind of tough love, but I never get the encouragement factor. It always seems like the critical factor. And well, he certainly had nothing good to say
1: about any of the queens. I also know. just don't think he's a very good choreographer. Yeah, Not
0: really. I, Well I noticed in this and it, it was kind of Frustrating I mean everything was being tied Into kind of like Beyonce Or you know like modern Performers now when we were talking about Cher And it's, I would have loved to have seen More like kind of 60s ago go You know kind of dancing In the beginning rather than you know well, we're doing the single ladies thing here We're doing I forgot who else he referenced here But it's kind of like yeah I, Why are we pulling in like 90s And aughts references when we're talking about the 60s and the 70s
2: that's because mm-hmm. the, the the queens involved would have no idea what you're talking about if you say you know if you pull in a 60s or 70s reference even though you know like the single ladies dance looks like stuff you can see in the 70s or the 80s or whatever the queens are not going to know it as anything other than the single ladies moves because that's their frame of reference because they're all so young
0: that's yeah, true. That's but but a good choreographer would be able to teach them new moves i mean there are people like Jerry Mitchell is one of my favorite Broadway uh, choreographers. And, you know, he's done uh, Hairspray and he did Kinky Boots and stuff like that. And he manages to make old stuff look new and modern. I don't know. I just... Time factor.
1: Yeah, that's true, too. Cracker, uh, on review with a Jew, to give some insight as to how the practice actually went in the stuff that we didn't see. Because, obviously, it goes on for hours rather um, yeah. than just, just the few minutes that we see. And the first thing that they did is... Uh, they were all told to sing part of their part, and then they were lined up in terms of of need, like who was <laughs> you know in most need of work. And Cracker ended up being at the end of the very end of the line. Like Todrick was not worried at fucking at all about how Cracker was gonna do. Yeah, so uh, that that just a little hint of something that we didn't know about. I like, actually. That- that's actually really important to know Because that's the kind of thing I would love
0: to see But we don't have time for it So he was, first he was working with Cameron And Cameron thought she couldn't sing And was sure she bombed Which seems to be kind of a default setting for Cameron That she's, until as she says later you know, Until she actually knows something's gone right She doesn't expect it to go right Then Vixen can dance But she couldn't sing either And Monet had a great commentary there But I don't see Cher, I see Dennis Rodman <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I mean, that's shade, but you know, Monet calls it. It's just Yes, we saw Cracker, and you know, Cracker had to deal with the auto tune. She actually had extra issues with her choreography because of the vocoder, which you know later on, that they they used that against her, and that really pissed me off because it was not her choice to use the vocoder. She was doing a specific time and place. You know, the the believe and all the the later share stuff. So it was in there, and then she had to work with that too, and. Later on, everybody complained that she used the vocoder. The judges complained she used the vocoder. So, and,
2: well, I think the problem was just that it wasn't vocoding very well.
0: Yeah, it there wasn't. Really was no. no,
2: there was really no real difference between you know cracker with it and cracker without it. So. I think they needed to work on their tech on that end a bit. More yeah, than
1: they did. yeah. I was gonna say Cracker had no control over the tech thing, so yeah. Oh, uh, and another thing that Cracker revealed: uh, she had gone backstage to practice with her microphone and not realized that she was still hooked up to the main system. So when Podrick <laughs> was trying to help out somebody else, Cracker suddenly came over, and Cracker had no idea for like twenty minutes or something. <laughs> she had big
0: headphones oh, on. No oh that poor thing oh that's funny though then we got to asia and share wasn't happening there even though her dancing was good and again we got a great comment from monet about that's not share it's medea <laughs> so i mean i don't think it was quite that over the top but asia definitely
1: was not in the share headspace i think as soon as she got the role she had decided that she wasn't going to do well because it's like oh it's not Cher it's all these characters that Cher has played and didn't really think about the fact that Cher always kind of plays Cher yeah I mean it's always just like a variation on the theme of
0: Cher with her she's not we love her as an actress but she's not really that kind of chameleon where she's going to turn into somebody else
1: well, I, I mean, like, that's, it's no shade on her, because there are just some actors who are like that, that yeah. play kind of variations on this one role. So she plays Cher, just different versions of Cher, and that's totally cool. I'm sure she that's... She won an Oscar for it!
0: Right, I was gonna say, that's why she's cast, because, you know, name recognition, face recognition, and the personality. You know, we want somebody like Cher. Okay, let's get Cher. Yeah, you're, you're not, like, hiring... Meryl days. Streep. Yeah, Meryl Streep, uh, you know, Cape Blanchett to some level. Yeah, it's, it's Cher bitch. <laughs> you know, it, it's Cher bitch. And Asia just, I think she was fighting herself on it, which, yeah. you know, obviously turned into a detriment. Eureka was once again having emotional baggage and issues, uh, and she didn't want to sing. Uh, and there was more nerves and emotional stuff going on there. And again, with the edit, because we got Vixen eye rolling and making snide comments. And, you know, I don't know how much of that was actually happening as it was happening, but other people were sympathetic, Vixen, not so much. Uh, and, you know, Eureka shared a little bit. And it sounds like Eureka really had a lot of abuse in her past. Because she mentioned the, the story about her, the fact that she was made to sing live and she got too nervous as a kid. And her dad then, like, yelled at her and she said it wound up in a physical altercation so as much as Eureka's is a big person you know just like large and in charge there's a lot of you know issues that are she's carrying
1: I, it's really sad to me that when i hear that the first thing that comes to my mind is an overweight gay boy from the south having difficulties in childhood you know what a shock because i yeah. mean it's just like it's i mean it's, that's not trying to take away from her her pain at all it's it hurts that that's kind of A story as old as time. Yeah, it's a stereotype now.
0: Yeah, and especially with the issues from the dad, who I'm sure wanted, you know, the big football playing, you know, macho car fixing, whatever kind of kid and wound up with, you know, a drag queen. So, yeah, but it it hurts because, you know, I've known people... In that situation And it's never pleasant And Mm -hmm. at least You know It's good to know That at least Eureka's Got his sister And and his mom involved Um, And there's a supporter But obviously Dad not so much And so Eureka Eventually says She's going to push it through Because she As much as she know she has these issues i think eventually she gets to the right place and gets herself going again um and then we went to performance day and everybody was talking you know backstage before they got there and aquaria moved her stuff over and said she was going to try to be more social which i thought was you know a step in the right direction for her
1: i am as we've been going on and we've been whittling down the group and getting to know people individually and people People are becoming a little more aware of things. I am enjoying Aquaria more because she's not terrible. She's not like the worst queen we've ever seen on the show. And as she's kind of her veneer has been, you know, uh, coming off. It's like, you know, I I'm, I still don't want you to win, but I won't I won't be sad if you make top three. Yeah, I I think especially after Snatch Game, her talents and
0: actually some of her personality. The positive personality has come out a little more this is why I get so frustrated I think when she starts going back into the whole ego thing and again I, a lot of it is just age and maturity and the fact that you know obviously she started out very young and got a lot of advantages not in a negative way she just happened to be in the right place at the right time or impress the right people and able to get herself forward more so than than some others who started later in life. But yeah, I, I think she's not a bad person. I, and I think even the group dynamic, she's learning. And she when she actually bothers to listen, she actually is impressing people or getting along with people better. So
2: Yeah, there's been flashes of, of the human being she's going to become in about 10 years. And, and I'm glad to see that, that, she, that she is willing to uh, open up enough to change, even if she doesn't realize that she's doing it herself right now. But you know the fact that 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 she is showing you know a, a bit of a, a shift towards you know at least sometimes caring what other people think and caring what other people's emotions are is, is a good thing for her.
0: And I and I think she's starting to realize that the world of drag queens is not like one star and everybody else gets to you know stand in the shadows you know if you see the queens that have gone on and, and gotten the big there's a lot of socialization there's a lot of support and, and need for support you know it's a whole community which is an important and beautiful thing and if you're not part of it you're going to wind up being isolated not in a good way because you're not going to get the shows you're not going to get the tours because nobody's going to want to deal with you yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm wondering if she maybe had a very skewed idea as to what RuPaul's Drag Race was itself as a, sh- as a show actually in production, because this is somebody who started watching the show when she was 11. Right. And it's certainly, you see like very specific personalities and you see people competing against each other. But when you hear her talking about like all of the stuff that, you know, in New York, when aside from that thing with Cracker, which, you know, nobody, you know, pays attention to anymore, she seems she has a very good relationship with all of the New York queens and from what she said about other people who are not on the show yeah she actually seems to have a family and so I think she's learning that rather than be it being a straight-up competition that you're for, kind of forming a family when you're on RuPaul's Drag Race yeah
0: because you can see it I mean, you can see it from a lot of past queens and how they work with one another on tours and all stars or whatever and yeah you start to see that it's it's a big big thing it's not just and also I think Aquaria in some ways was a a medium sized fish in a bigger pond because the New York scene is so big and so com- competitive, but it's still not the whole country, it's not the whole world.
1: One of the things that I don't think a lot of people realize is that the Drag Race queens are so ride or die for, like, every single one of them. Like, with Fifi and Sharon, which is, like, one of the biggest rivalries that has ever happened on Drag Race, if people badmouth Fifi to Sharon, she will fucking, like, cut a bitch. Which I probably shouldn't say it that way because Sharon (laughs) has actually been known to do that. But, no, she will, like, defend Fifi to the ends of the earth. And she's, like, used Fifi in, like, videos before. So it's, like, all of that shit, like, it was real at the time, but you know you you get past it or you know things develop so yeah if you keep on being antagonistic and that's
0: self-absorbed you wind up in a situation like Tara, Tyra sanchez where she's basically been blackballed by everybody and everyone especially because she was making literal you know physical threats towards queens you know going into uh la drag Con. and i don't think anybody's gonna book her or anybody's gonna want to work with her after this you know it, it's been building up for a while but it's like if you get to that level then you're gonna find yourself out on the curb and you're not gonna be part of the family the big extended drag queen family because nobody's going to want to be near you so i think Aquarius is starting to learn in a good way and again like ren said you know she's young and 10 years from now she may be an awesome awesome human being you know but she's getting there um so um monet was being very supportive of eureka because eureka had yet another case of nurse and i this is one of the things I, i reasons i really love monet you can see like sometimes her you know her runway looks are kind of raggedy and she doesn't quite get there but as a human being she seems to be a really good caring supportive person and i know like she's bob the drag queen's uh drag sister she's actually cracker's drag aunt and there's a lot of you see that monet is just a very good person you know she'll she'll call things when she sees it she's very funny but she's also very empathetic and i think that's a good sign I, i just liking her as a person and then we got a little bit more of cracker's background and talking about how poor and and kind of unique you know i don't want to, to to put judgment but it just sounds like it was a very harrowing and unique experience but it, it's it's helped her in terms of being creative and just trying to pull herself together
1: yeah still it could not have been easy it's just, holy shit like I, I could not believe hearing about
0: this. you know just like yeah it's amazing and, and heartbreaking really so you can see why she's kind of a thrifty like why she did so well on drag on a dime and she talked about it a little bit we're now finding out you know however many episodes later That she literally was like, you know, putting together or making her, she and her sister were making um, their own toys out of whatever they found on the street or whatever. Because originally it was just, oh, my mom was kind of this kooky artist and we were doing this. Now it's like, no, we had nothing. You know, we were desperately poor. We didn't even have food at school. So we brought empty lunch boxes so we'd look like normal kids and just unbelievable. And then we had a big heart to heart because Asia showing her maturity uh took vixen on uh, by the horns and kind of took her side to talk to her about what was going on and why there was that kind of drama and the anger and stuff and asia really impressed me you know it's like you know, i'm amazed she doesn't have a, a phd in, in psych because she was just like the thera- therapeutic angle was really good
1: I think that's the drag mom in her coming out, because we yeah. know that Asia is drag bomb to a lot of different people. And with this season, one thing that really strikes me is just how many people I think could be up for miscongeniality, Congeniality, depending on how the, the final three shakes out. Because I think we got Blair, I think Asia, if she doesn't hit final three, though I think she probably will, Cameron, I could see being... Yeah, there's like ton of people that are are just like wow you seem like just like a super nice human being
0: yeah and, and I, I just thought asia was wonderful because asia also because asia is also african-american she understands more of where the vixen is coming from and there was a lot of insight there and i think you know she was trying to help the vixen kind of untangle what was going on and saying look you know there's the the big picture and then there's the personal picture and don't be angry at Eureka because she represents everything in your head of the shit that's gone on because you know, there's the personal angle and then there's what's been going on in the world. And you kind of have to learn to, to get around it and how to deal with it. And I just, I I wanted to hug Asia because I just thought it was like such a good moment.
1: Yeah. Well, I think Asia's got a really good place to come from. I mean, not good place, but you know, a a place of experience to come from because this is a queer black person from Texas. And I mean, that can't have been an easy place to come from so i think asia being able to sit down and how old is asia in her like mid-30s i think yeah i was gonna say early to mid-30s so yeah some of that experience to vixen is just somebody who's i think really good to sit down and say listen calm down a little bit you know not everything has to be a fight you've, you've got to let things some things go
0: yeah and, and you know from everything that you know bruce talked about and other people talked about i mean being being gay in the African American community is very hard. And there's a lot more homophobia there, especially in kind of the, the black churches and stuff than even in in white culture. So it's a lot harder. And I think it's something, you know, that people forget sometimes because Rue has been such a big personality for so many years. It's like you know, twenty five years at this point, or a little bit more. But it's hard. I mean, when Prop Eight was going down in in California, one of the biggest proponents against, you know, or for pushing uh, against same sex marriage were the black churches. Um, so it's it's a lot harder, I think, in Latino circles and African American circles than it is in white circles in terms of acceptance. And so there there is there's there's so many layers to this that you know we as white ladies can sort of process but not really so to see asia be able to say look you know i know what you're going through i know where i've been where you are and we've got to find a way and this is how we have to deal with it i think it's a good thing not a bad thing because yeah if you just keep fighting and screaming and not sitting down and talking it tends to cause more problems you need you know which is not to say just shut up and take it because obviously that's not the, the case either but so you know, bless Asia for, for being the drag mom there. But it was a good moment. And I, and I think we saw a little bit more of, of the Vixen's vulnerability there, which also kind of made me a little, you know, more uh, sympathetic towards her. Uh, then it was finally challenge time. And um, Rue looked fab. I love Rue's gown. Oh, I, I love, a... love the
2: preciseness of those ruffles and how they did not move. There had to been some serious, you know hardware in there, (laughs) making sure that they were, that they were just like, this is, these are, these, this is not so much a dress as armor kind of thing. I loved
1: it. I've been loving Oliver's looks this season. I can't, I can maybe think, make one that I didn't really care for but other than that like it's been really on point and i was really happy with the guest judges we, you know we had andrew rannells and billy eichner and i love both of them so much it was really nice to see them on the show
0: yeah i like i love him too and billy has like really impressed me because he's also gotten very involved uh politically as well as just being a comedian in fact at DragCon, he was doing uh, a panel, I think, with Ben on, uh, called Glamming Up the Midterms, which is a get out the vote, uh, thing and trying to get people to, to show up to the polls for midterms. So I think, I believe the website, I should have checked it, uh, is com. and props to, for Billy for doing that. And I just kept laughing about Andrew because he's on Broadway right now in, um, The Boys in the Band. So like every five minutes, every time we broke different commercial, there was an ad for him and Zach Quinto and Matt Bomer and, uh, Jim Parsons, you know, in this world-breaking
1: you know earth-shaking
0: show but this is cool it was just kind of like you know and now a word for our sponsor more Andrew Reynolds
1: so yeah I've been getting ads for everything that's going to be happening in, in Toronto for pride and I keep on saying <laughs> wait what queen's gonna be in Toronto oh I'm gonna have to see if I'm not working then
0: and also it's good to see Carson because you know I, I've loved Carson since Queer Eye and I just think Carson's always kind of delightful and and, and fine
1: i also think that carson is a little bit more critical than ross ross seems to love everything which is nice and i mean i love ross but i I, you know i like he's got a queer eye for the
0: queer guys (laughs) that he does yeah i I think there's a little more criticism and and just you know like i said the acerbic nature so if he doesn't like something he's gonna say it ross tends to try to like find the the silver lining to everything, I think, in his Carson's so.
1: like the nice balance between Ross and Santino. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and, and can I just mention, I, you know, how many seasons has it been? I still don't miss Santino's. So. <laughs> uh so then we got a plug for the official show that's coming to Broadway share the musical because this is the unofficial musical.
2: yeah uh, and, and the show is actually playing in you know on their pre-broadway tryouts in chicago in uh mid-June to like the beginning of July. And so, you know, at every commercial break, I get to see the ads for the share show.
0: I suspect we'll get that next year in New York, or at least Probably. like in the fall. I mean, and I'm kind of like, I you know, have to see, you know, how well it goes, because I might want to go see it. So yeah. it's something I might to see list, if I can manage it.
2: It sounds suspiciously, though, like there's another musical about another, you know, like iconic female singer, I can't think of who it is now. But Donna so- Summers. Donna Summer, Summer, that's is, it. It Summers, that's Summers the musical. It sounds exactly like that because they're both doing like three, you know, three actresses playing, you know, that you know, at three different eras and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, are you just taking out all, all the stuff from the Cher show and crossing out the name Cher and putting in Donna? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah, as compared to something like Head Over Heels, which they actually took Go Go's music, but they wrote an actual book for it, so it's not just the story of the Go Go's. It's just a jukebox musical with all their music about other things. So. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. So we got the, the, the show started and Cameron was actually surprisingly good at sixties share. She was doing seventies share though. She was doing variety
2: show share. She was not doing sixties share.
0: Well, I think that's more of her frame of reference, but she looked the part. She well I also
1: part. I wonder if that was Cameron or if that was the producers, because I don't know if they actually had to bring their own costumes for this. It seems unlikely because they were all assigned specific parts. We all we all know that the uh, they said that the wigs were supplied by Rockstar Wigs, so I'm yeah, assuming that, but that
0: I'm,
2: major costume parts were supplied as well. Right, yeah. and also
0: when when we were in the workroom, we did actually see Cameron like cutting the bangs on on her wig. So, I, I the costumes were probably provided, or you know, some general like pick what you want.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the costumes were provided, but the wigs were by a sponsor. So that's why they called them out specifically. So I, I do think that it was 60s share as interpreted by the producers. <laughs>
0: it's very possible you know um but i she sang really well and she really got the makeup and the hair and you know and, and the general and demeanor. the voice and the voice the, was... yeah,
2: the look of voice was great but i said but the, the but the demeanor was more variety show than 60s that i felt but i'm being ped- i'm also being pedantic because i i know yeah, i've watched enough of the 60s show to, to be able to tell the difference between the two so i am so totally nitpicking here it's not funny
0: yeah but we're also doing musical and i think you have to kind of push a little bit more for variety show because 60 share yeah. from what i remember mostly stood there and yeah she flipped her hair a little bit but mostly she and sunny just kind of like looked at each other and sang so that big you know over the top share personality wasn't quite there yet so i think you know because of the theatricality of the performance I'll, I'll give cameron you know a little bit of slack there um i did actually laugh because when she pulled the sunny uh, the the guy playing sunny looked asian
1: (laughs) yeah i
0: think he was yeah so i was just like little asian sunny okay i mean it was funny because they probably just needed a little guy i don't
1: know it just was funny
0: that that, they they... they
1: really didn't have to try very hard considering how tall cameron is with you know shoes and drag queens are not are usually unless they're shangela they're not small (laughs) or cracker or cracker yes cracker could fit in my pocket
0: yeah, I think I, I have. If I ever meet Cracker, I'm curious to see whether Cracker is taller than I am, and I'm all of like five foot two. So, yeah. Um, so we had a little Asian Sunny, which I just thought was funny, and then we went to Monet doing the first of the two uh, TV show a variety of show shares, and I, I love the song. I, I I actually had to put the uh, closed captioning on so i could understand the lyrics about cultural appropriation and i just thought monet was having a ball so
1: yeah i thought this was a really good part for her because it was really funny and yeah pointing out how much of shares looks have been cultural appropriation of time and yeah, yeah. It, and, and it was, as the it lyrics was said
0: in those days we didn't have that word and we didn't know any better and it it worked but i'm glad they actually did you know discuss the you know it was in a funny setting but they actually did make a point of discussing it so it was kind of topical in the middle mm-hmm. of everything and you kind of missed
1: it if you didn't read the lyrics but it was yeah well smart i think it's important for them to bring up especially because you have had times when like uh, Raja in in season 3 wore like full uh native american headdress at one point and that's totally not cool so i think i RuPaul's Drag Race has gotten a lot of uh, cultural appropriation, you know, dings. So, you know, they didn't want to bring it up without addressing the elephant in the room.
0: Yeah, well, I think the producers are smart. And obviously somebody is listening to whatever complaints there have been and addressing them in a good way. You know, and saying, yeah, you know, that was that was then, but we shouldn't do this now. So I, I liked it. Uh, then we got the Vixen and she looked great. <sighs> she but- looked great, but there was nothing absolutely nothing share about no. her performance. Yeah, my notes here are literally, she looks good, but where the hell is Cher? <laughs>
2: yeah, and I was I was wondering if her wig was actually the Ivy Blue wig from the previous week, sort of like you yeah, rearranged a bit, because it was basically that same kind of um, silhouette in a way. And it's just like, oh, no, just no, Vixen, sorry, no.
0: Yeah, from what I remember, um, and I should have looked it up from that performance with the Jackson 5, I think that the wig was pretty on point in terms yeah, of the okay. styling, but yeah it just kind of and i I know later on you know we'll discuss it but the excuse of the why there was no share but you're doing a share challenge you have to you know you have to channel share and she wasn't having any of it then we got aquaria doing disco share and the the, was the i think the album name was butterfly with the whole headdress and the the wings and stuff and
1: yeah Uh, i i feel like she was kind of you know slow going it's like towards the end i could see some share in there but at the beginning it's like i don't really know what you're doing and, but then at the very end like when she's throwing away the cape and everything it's like oh, okay there's a bit of share there and it's like you, you're not uh you're gonna be in the bottom but not like the bottom bottom
0: yeah and I, I know she's 21 but it's like this is drag race and i know it's hard but you really again you have to learn you know the big cultural icons i mean just like off the top of my head it's like Cher, barbara streisand judy garland donna summer diana ross i mean you know there's like there there's a palette of you know the drag queens really need to know regardless of their age and learn it early (laughs) because you're not you you can't skate by on not knowing these things especially 10 years after you know we're not the first year of, of drag race so
2: yeah, also, Aquario didn't sing very well at all. No, she did not. It was, not. like, the worst one. You know, And she didn't. You know, her body didn't look like Cher. Her makeup didn't look like Cher. It was just like, okay, what are you trying to be? It's not Cher.
0: Yeah, and and once again, there was no padding. And granted, you know, Cher is relatively flat-chested. But it was still, to me, boy body with just the things on top. Where Cher, you know, maybe she's an A-cup. But there's still a little padding there. And I think she had plastic surgery by that point. so she had more at that point in her life but that's an Aquaria thing of you know she rarely pads uh then Asia came out and that was bad too because there was no
1: share there it was just dull
2: oh and the look on Rue's face Rue was just sort of like thought it was like the most painful thing in the known universe oh <laughs> yeah
1: I think Rue was also very disappointed because Asia's been doing very well in so many of the challenges and I just think that, I mean aside from Snatch Game the I mean, like even other acting challenges, she did fantastic in. So the fact that she did this one so badly, I think, was a real letdown.
0: And and also Asia's a seasoned queen, you know, she's somebody who with experience, she's been around. She should be better than this. I think. You know, it's not like she's Blair or even Aquaria who get a little bit of slack because they're young and they're they're not that you know, they're not that experienced overall. Asia should know better. So, yeah.
1: Also, Cher's movies are very famous and, like, to the point where, like, it's there's on, like, the AFI list of, you know, like, top lines, you know, from, like, Moonstruck and everything. So, it's actually, I would think, like, would be easier than something like the variety shows when they're like doing very specific like performances because you know maybe you know even if you know Cher you don't know that specific performance which is kind of what Vixen was saying but Asia most people can you know know the you know snap out of it from Moonstruck so the fact that it was so bad is just very disappointing
0: yeah and next we got Eureka um doing a uh, rock star Sharon I considering Eureka is a big girl I thought you know she pulled off the turn back time you know body stocking etc and, and and I thought it worked really well and she pulled it out she was a little temporary um as Michelle said tentative at first but yeah it built and I, I think was it I think Rue was uh told Eureka about the Elvis connection or I think it was to Eureka and and yeah, I suddenly was. saw it there I, it's a fun thing you know having been a fan of Cher since I was like in single digits. It I never I never even thought about that. And once Rue said it, it was like, holy shit, you're right. You know, <laughs> she's basically she's always Cher was always channeling Elvis. And Eureka, if it was Eureka that, that actually got that that point, I it think was. she ran with it. Yeah. Um and I considering the knee problem, considering the nerves about singing, everything she she pushes through. And I think that's something I really like about Eureka. I mean we get You know, on camera we get a lot of the, oh my god, I'm falling apart, I'm nervous, I'm scared, I'm this and that. But, in the end, she actually, she's a damn good performer, I think, if she really knocks it out of the park. So, I was happy. And then, last but not least, we got Cracker uh, doing uh, Comeback Chair. So I thought she did really well, considering she had the most difficult part. Yeah, I I agree. I, I thought she did fabulous, and I don't understand some of the critiques she got later, so.
2: But, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I was I wasn't really bowled over by
0: it or anything. Yeah, it wasn't Cracker's best performance, but I thought she was better than, than what she got. And she's always I, to me, it's like it's very frustrating. I feel like Cracker's always getting overlooked.
1: One of the other things that Cracker revealed in review with a Jew is actually when they do the performance, they do the performance twice. Okay, and so I think they stitch together like. You know, the best performance of each queen. And I guess one of Cracker's performances, she did well. And then the other one was kind of meh. But I guess they get judged on both of them. So they kind of just average it out.
0: Right. And something the audience, we the audience, don't see. So sometimes the judging may be unfair but it's they've seen more than we have so that makes a lot of sense too i,
1: I really recommend everybody check out review with a jew it's, uh crackers coming out with them basically on thursdays like she'll do the episode from the week before and she's really getting into the nitty-gritty of here's all of the stuff you did not see and i i find that really interesting because even though the show's an hour and a half there's lots of stuff that they have to cut out and also the magic of tv so oh, of course yeah. <laughs> um so then we got the runway which the
0: theme of the runway was glitterific and we started with cameron she was wearing this sort of rose gold uh glittery jumpsuit and i thought she looked really pretty she's um, gorgeous yeah she looked great um again cameron's just like been one of those sort of quiet you know non-assuming and then suddenly like blows you away kind of thing when you least expect it so i was really impressed by that then we got monet which was like oh girl <laughs> oh girl i oh, love you like, but stop.
2: she needs to stop with those weird eyes yeah Yeah, those like the zombie kind of eyes and a bodysuit and 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 the hair you know it's like girl haven't you been listening to critiques
1: it's like there was some stuff in it that i i wanted to like but it was just so sloppy and you could see tape oh yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah, and and, you know they blurred out you know her crotch but i guess there was tape visible there too because they kind of gave you a shot but it was all blurred out but then you saw the tape you could see the back too yeah it Okay, it was just a mess And Monet frustrates me because I think she's so funny And so talented and so personable But I think it was Cracker said, you know, she pulls her Looks together like a half an hour before she goes on stage In New York, and that's not going to play on, on on Drag Race, you know it, it She's got to get better And more, you know, cleaned Up, as it were If she's going to want to win these things So yeah, it just was like The concept was great, I thought the Black Litter was good, but it was, like, half-finished, and there were so many things wrong with it that it just took away from her share performance. Uh, then the Vixen came out, and she was wearing a bunch of glittery foam core things stuck together, and I thought it was sloppy. And-
2: it looked like the leftovers of, you know, a third-grade art project. You know, like, you had a bunch of, real bunch of, you know, kids who say, we're gonna do stuff with glitter and and, 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 you know, foam core and stuff like that, and that, what Vixen was wearing was, was le- what was left over on the table after the kids went out, you know, to their next class. You know? I could
1: totally see that. Like, I will say that this is better than some of her previous designs but it's still fucking unfinished and i say this as a costumer and i say this as a costumer who has worked making an entire outfit out of foam core before you worked on it for literally 24 hours bitch please (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean yeah that long for that little
2: you sure yeah, like 24 of those hours, you know, 12 of those hours you're sleeping or something? I don't
1: know. And I mean, even that, literally 24 hours is not a long time to work on an outfit. No, not at all.
0: Yeah, considering we know people, you know, and some of us have done it where, you know, we're costuming that would take in, you know, nine months to put something together or years, depending on how much, like, detail and stuff. And granted, they don't have a lot of time to do certain things, but it's it just considering how little there was in terms of actual material used it, it seems awfully shoddy to me again and, yeah. and that's something we've said about her before it always looks kind of half-assed and never really finished either then aquaria came out and once again no padding no real tits other bodysuit yeah
1: well i mean it wasn't as much of a bodysuit it was like a a sheaf almost um i liked her face and the headpiece but the outfit was not good yeah
0: i i just thought and i thought the concept of the whole religious theme was interesting i mean it could have been it could have been like wow and it to me it wasn't it was okay it was again like not quite completed concept so yeah and it seemed like she spent most of her time doing the the rhinestone eye thing which
1: looked great sometimes you can have like one thing that really makes you stand out so i i it's uh, i don't hate it but i don't love it
0: uh and then we got asia who is the glitter clown um and i thought she looked great um except for her shoes because they were suede shoes and considering she was from glitter from the top of her head it should have gone all the way down to the the
1: (laughs) tips of her toes and i think If she'd had a better runway look, it might have saved her this week. Well, I actually think that this this runway look was actually one of the things that saved her from complete elimination. Other than the fact that her lip sync was on point. I think, you know, we've been ragging on people wearing bodysuits for two seasons at this point. I think Asia is... Shows us in this how to do a bodysuit right. This right. is a gorgeous looking bodysuit. It is very well constructed. It is clean. It is a fun concept. It's not my favorite look ever, but it's it's really quite
0: lovely. And also, she had like her padding was down. You know, it was not just a bodysuit. I mean, she gave herself hips and butt and you know shoulders. So it was con- more than just like a simple unitard kind of look. And yeah, it was a lot of fun because it was something a little kooky. You know, and uh, that's something I like about Asia. She personality-wise, she doesn't seem like that kind of goofy a person, but then she does Tweety Bird. Then she does a clown. So there's this, like, whimsy. There's this actual, like, bit of fun that she throws in, and it's not just You know pageantry you know pretty things You know there's a little twist to it And I like that and it just frustrated me that yeah that the Shoes somehow didn't match if you're gonna do Glitter just like do glitter pumps or do A glitter clown shoe you know just something A little it it was like the one detail That was off on it yeah but her Makeup the, the, the wig the hat everything Else was on point so
1: yeah I think that uh, is a real sign of her her pageant background just how professional and clean everything looks that we know she is really good at craftsmanship and I right. think that this this was a this was very professional work
0: and and she is a professional customer uh, for other people so and designer. so yeah and it shows uh, then we got Eureka and I liked Eureka but i I'm kind of a little frustrated, a little tired of the signature loaf on her head. I would just really like to see some different hair from her and the the silhouette almost i mean she's worn it before but it was almost like a bianca silhouette to me which is not a bad thing but i just the the, the loaf on her head is kind of getting tiresome even though i know it's her signature thing
2: i thought that uh Eureka's outfit looked pretty much like what vixen was trying to do and fair, i because, could see that yeah, yeah. because it's, it's had the same kind of you know like the multi stuff and the glitter and stuff like that so it was like it was
1: of like you know what vixen should have aimed for and and did do i mean i was very happy to see a gown and i was very happy to see a gown that didn't have like she she had a little bit of you know trying to draw attention to the center of the chest but not as obviously as she's done in a lot of her previous outfits but yeah i am i mean considering we were reading dusty bottoms for her signature dots in the first episode you know let's maybe read eureka on the fucking loaf Yeah,
0: it just, it's one of those, where it's always the Ursula, it's not even Ursula, because Ursula I guess kind of is is shorter hair, but it's always that thing on the top of her head, and like, do something else, I want to see a different hairstyle, but I thought the dress looked great, and she's, once again, did things really well in terms of proportionizing, because she's big, and, you know, she had a nice shape to it, so from the neck, down, and I like, and also, I I didn't like the streaks on her face, I'm not sure, that was very, like, Thor, Ragnarok, whatever, why is it there?
1: (laughs) Unnecess, it was completely Unnecessary.
0: Yeah, other than that I mean it's like 90% there and then cracker I loved the dress and the hair I'm not so sure that I like the ring with the vomiting skull thing it was different so I, I it wasn't horrible but I'm not sure I really needed that so.
1: <laughs> I thought it was fun and I thought it made her memorable I yeah. she did need another lash on, Oh definitely yeah on, definitely on her eye that really took away from it but other than that I thought it was it was fun and I i mean some of these i have to admit it's been a while since i actually watched this episode because i did my notes a while back and some of the outfits i couldn't remember exactly what they were wearing until we were talking about it. it but crackers i remembered just totally
0: yeah. And also one thing that I, that I noted, which was nice, a cracker was a brunette here. And, you know, normally her her signature look is that that very bleach blonde. And she also puts stuff on her head at times. But she didn't. This was like almost a 1940s look or, or like late 30s with the it was kind of flowy Veronica Lake brunette hair. The dress was more vintage. And that's she plays with her look. And that that's something important. And I think that's something that's good. yeah cracker
1: likes to be a barbie doll she likes to be blonde wearing pink and this was not that and i think it worked really well for her she looks gorgeous as a brunette
0: yeah, it's nice when I mean she is naturally brunette, and it's just nice to see when somebody steps out of their comfort zone of this is my look or this is my silhouette or this is what I do with my hair. So props to Cracker on that. Uh, then we got to the critiques from the judges, and there was a lot of praise for Cameron, which I think she deserved.
1: I, I generally generally agreed with the judges. I mean, there yeah. were a couple of times when it's like, oh, I think you're being too hard or I think you're being too soft. Aquarius smart mentioning her ad lib. If you're doing something like that on the show, you gotta point it out, right? And you, and she, she did a good job being subtle about it. So
0: yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, I, it frustrated me because the vixen was clocked for having no share in her performance, and she started arguing with the judges and making excuses as to why there wasn't a, what she thought she was doing. And as we've said before, and we'll say again. The worst thing you can do is argue with the judges, unless they're like literally wrong on a fact of something and yeah. saying, oh, you know, well, so-and-so didn't wear green in that show. And you're like, no, they wore green in that show. Really? I can show you the picture. Like, you can't do that. You have to take what they're saying. And if they are saying there's no share in your performance, there's no share in your performance again the only thing that, that bothered me was when they were clocking uh cracker for the use of the vocoder which was again out of her control and it seemed a little unfair to say oh she was so mush mouth when the vocoder was there
1: and she had to use it so i don't know i think they were saying that she was mush mouth because of her share impersonation but i think it was a uh, combination of the share impersonation and the vocoder like put together and i mean like if you actually listen to the stuff from share in that era Actually, is very hard to understand what she's saying. She's using a fucking milk order, right? That's the whole point of it. So,
0: like I said, it was a. And I always feel like Cracker gets kind of judged on a different standard than everybody else. So with, with somebody else, they might ignore. They point out for her, and it's always frustrating because she's always like. I always think she's better than I think some of the judges do, especially Michelle seems kind of harsh on her. But overall, yeah, I think they were right on what they like. After the judges decided to do their deliberations, we had Untucked. Oh, please, no. Oh, God, that was awful. Well, there were a couple of things. Like, Asia was initially, at least, was pragmatic in knowing that she might go home and accepting it, but then later she kind of, like, got into all the excuses as to why everything she did was right and there
1: was nothing she could do and why everything was She also her. focused on the wrong part of the performance because she was complaining about glitter fabric and how, you know, glitter fabric is cheap but she used it anyways. So it was like, there was nothing wrong with your outfit that you wore. That's not what you're being judged on. You're being judged on the fact that you had no share. Right, and they, they pointed out, which was right, but it wasn't a harsh criticism that
0: they didn't like her shoes with that outfit. Everything else, the 95% from her ankles up was perfect, and they said that you know and the makeup looked good and just the fact that she was nitpicking so much about the difference between rhinestones and glitter and sequins and uh, uh, and i mean if you stop. don't
1: want to ruin a pair of shoes putting glitter on it learn how to make boot covers yeah
0: yeah there's like plenty of ways you know or spats something you know
1: boot covers are basically spats
0: well yeah but you know yeah it's you're a clown you can do kooky things or if she'd done ruffles on the you know around the ankles to cover the shoes so you only saw the toes i mean yeah there's a lot of ways to and they do make glittery shoes like god knows they're out there so... yeah <laughs> there are there are ways around it and and just like then getting bitchy because other people used oh if i'd known i could do sequins or rhinestones And mm, stop
1: and as pointed out, you just had to pay attention to what they did for the glitter ball back in season six, and seeing that you know there was jewels and rhinestones and all this different kind of stuff. So yeah, you just needed to sparkle,
0: right? It was just glitter as an adjective, not glitter as a noun. <laughs> yeah. You just had to be glittery and gay to to quote Leonard Bernstein. So Vixen started whining again, and she was unhappy. Well, Aquaria was unhappy
2: too. Aquaria was like, you know, well, of course, my my you know my act was more Madonna than Cher, because you know as a millennial, I identified more with Madonna because you know basically Madonna is as old as as dirt because you know it's before they, you know they were t- their time, and Cher is just like some kind of ancient history. And so I thought that was very um, ageist
0: in a yeah. way.
1: Is Madonna really any more of a more modern
0: touchstone than Cher? Madonna is like, okay, like 15, 20 years later, because Madonna is like, you know, slightly older than we are. Ren and I are. And Cher's older than that. But Cher was as big a hit. I mean, like, Believe was what? Like 99, 2000 Ish, you know, she's had a hit every, you know, in every
2: decade since the 60s.
0: Yeah. And Cher was getting played on those dance floors as much as Madonna. And I think at that point, Madonna was doing Ray of Light and some of the stuff that wasn't selling so well. So at certain points in like, you know, the 90s and the early aughts, Cher was selling better than Madonna and Cher is still Cher. So... Yeah. Aquaria's full of shit. Aquaria's just like making up excuses to cover for her own lack of knowledge,
1: I think. I think so too.
0: I, I like the fact that Cracker actually tried to call her out kindly
1: just... and it went over her head. This <laughs> yeah. is something else that Cracker elaborated on in Review of the Jew. Apparently when they were going from the hotel to the studio and they're going in a van together. Monet was really worried and was thinking that she was gonna go home. And Aquaria responded, Well, I'm winning. Oh gosh. Yeah yeah i mean like these were like the new york girls you know they kind of got their little you know new york clique and monet was looking for support and aquaria just went over her head and it's just like i'm so confident that i'm going to win she didn't like really realize that in that moment it had nothing to do with her you've just got to you know comfort your friend who was worried that they're going to be eliminated
0: right and that actually explains why cracker actually literally said well you're you know you say stuff and then you say well i'm winning so i i guess that was a reference that we didn't see on screen but yeah and again i i'm gonna be kind and put some of that down to just immaturity and and lack of i mean although there are plenty of empathetic 21 year olds out there i'm not saying that because you're young you can just be an asshole all the time because i know plenty of young people that aren't oh i was a monster when i was 21 <laughs> i think some of it is just immaturity and and that little self absorbed bubble that she tends to be into or i could write it off as well she's an aquarius but... <laughs> Yeah, um, but I thought the cracker was trying to be kind, kind of like pushing her in the right direction kindly. And it was just going over Aquarius' head. She was not taken in in anything about, like, you know, to chill and to maybe listen to other people and stop thinking you're the best and the greatest and everything. Yeah, then Asia just kind of went on her kind of wine, you know, her wine tour, (laughs) her wine tasting, and why she didn't and why she had the worst part and why she couldn't do this. And it was just bullshit. You know, you, you... as Tim Gunn says make it work you were given a part there were plenty of other people could have pulled that out it wasn't that difficult it wasn't like even you know the the Stevie Nicks problem with Thorgie which really was harder um, in All Stars 3 you know or you, you got a part and you could do it but there wasn't a lot you could do with the part there was plenty she could have done with that so it wasn't the worst untucked I think I think we've seen far more dramatic and over the top and whatever you mean the week
1: before yeah,
0: yeah I like the week, the week before, before. And we had some touching moments. Like I thought Eureka and Cameron's little kiki was very sweet. And like I said, I follow both of them on social media and I see them like it's still they've got a really good friendship and they're always like commenting positive things to each other and commenting on the show like saying, well, I thought you were great or I thought you were beautiful. Stop it. You know, because there's a lot of like back and forth in a good way there. So that at least was nice that... Not everybody's always like trying to cut each other's throat. And Monet at least was kind of pragmatic about what she did too. Um, and I think she might have won if her runway look hadn't been so awful. <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of up there, but
1: possibly she had it. She had a good performance. Yeah, uh, I don't think it was quite as good as Cameron's, but Cameron, yeah, won for both look and for both the uh, performance and runway. And I think,
0: and she well deserved it. I, I honestly think she did. Even though, I mean, I kind of laugh. You know, she kept saying, well, I don't think I won. I think I'm going home. And she's, very, But that's kind of her. She's very laconic, but not in this sort of like New York neurotic Jew way that, you know, Cracker, that I can personally, you know, understand with Cracker. <laughs> Even though now apparently Cracker's not from New York. She's actually from Seattle. And then deliberations were done and we got people called to the stage. And we got to Mon- Monet, Eureka, Cracker, and Aquaria were all safe. Um, and I think Aquaria got through by the skin of her teeth in terms of safeness. I think it was just... First of all, Rue said she liked what Aquaria was wearing, so that gave her a foot up. As we were saying, favoritism but not favoritism, and also just the fact that she kind of worked with the cape. Um, and Karen was a well-deserved winner. And then our bottom two were Asia and Vixen. And I think this is the third week that Vixen was in the bottom two? Um, yeah, the yeah third in a row. She... Yeah, so I mean, she kind of knew. She said you usually don't survive a third lip sync yeah
1: but i mean not only that i mean you don't i think like the only person is coco uh, survived a third i think with this lip sync not only was it her third but asia slayed it she was yeah. so good yeah and I, I think
0: asia i mean asia said you know she she was there for her but she wasn't going home and asia's amazing i mean the song's groove is in the heart which is one of my favorite by delight which is one of my favorite songs anyway and i just thought asia really got like the crux of the song and you know from what was back in the video whereas Vixen was like trying to make it all sexy and it's not a sexy song it's a it's a dance fun song and so I, I just don't think she kind of grasped it on top of everything else but yeah Asia slayed and so Asia stayed and Vixen sashayed away uh, after a lot of <laughs> crying yeah. bye Felicia yeah I, I have to say that like her parting speech I thought was moving and it actually gave me more gave her more humanity to me than we've seen i think a lot of the other stuff is a veneer a protective veneer the anger and a lot of the stuff because there's a that's a hurt kid underneath there but i wish we'd yeah. see more of that throughout it I, I know it's hard to it's hard to like care at this point <laughs> because she's been so awful and so combative and so generally nasty to people but I, I just i felt like it's when everything was stripped away at the end as much as it was kind of like yeah you know cry more honey um i I felt badly because you could see there was a fire there and i I just hope she can get past this because i think she can be a great performer in future you know she's got a lot of work to do
1: i'm sure she will i just think that it's very easy to be humble when you've been humbled so yeah
0: yeah but and i I think it was good that asia was the one to send her away because i think if it had been somebody else there might have been complaints or you know conspiracy you know on it but You know, well, because, you know, somebody was white or somebody was, you know, whatever or more likable, blah, blah, blah. So it worked out well. And like I said, I hope, you know, for Vixen's sake that she goes on and she gets past all this and, you know, has Mm -hmm. a great career. Because obviously she's doing very well in Chicago. She's got like a following on her shows and stuff. So and it's good to do political theater, too. You know, it doesn't all have to be pageantry or comedy. So, yeah. But I think many viewers will be. I, I certainly am like happy that she's gone because. It was, like, unbearable at this point. Just the drama and all the crap that was happening. It was not fun. And I think that was part of it, too. I think Rue was just done with her. So, (laughs) So, that wrapped up this week. Next week, we're going to have a a parody of of Westworld called Breastworld. I'm a big fan of the show, so I'm interested to see what they do with that. Now, we get to come down to our charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Who did what?
1: Um, In terms of charisma... I went with Asia. I think her performance of Grooves in the Heart oozed charisma. And I would also point out her conversation with the Vixen about, you know, picking your battles and everything. I think she came off as very charismatic. So, yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I also like gave
0: a second place to Monet just as from her, her stage performance because i thought that was i have a lot of charisma and she is she's just an amazing performer i mean i really want to see her live someday because i think it'll be a lot of fun but so she she was just like blew the stage away um in terms of uniqueness
1: um i went with cracker for her outfit uh because a vomiting skull vomiting glitter like like who thinks of that
0: yeah it does <laughs> yeah cracker does and that's why we love her because she's he keeps saying she's wacky she's weird you know she's a little weirdo and i, I love that about it even when i don't necessarily get it like vomiting glitter vomiting skulls it always throws something in there it's different it's definitely out of thinking out of the box thinking out of the cracker box uh, in terms of nerve i'm i personally wanted to give it to eureka
1: I that's think, who i had as well
0: yeah because she just she did she had a lot of moxie and, and she pushed through everything that was going on in her head again where earlier in the season we saw she was letting it get to her so like good on her
1: and right. then talent i went with cameron i think cameron showed a lot of talent in both uh ch- challenges so
0: yeah 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 and i think yeah. it was surprising talent too i mean not that cameron's ever bad or usually not bad but it just like she's starting to shine a little bit more so alrighty, so that i think we can wrap up um here and until next week this is jan and Red
1: and mc bye, bye.